Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Good morning, everyone. This is another Monday special, but this time uh, I'm interviewing someone. So I'm interviewing Dan from a company called Urban Shared, and his background is in technology. Uh, He has a rent-to-rent business in London, uh, which will be quite interesting for some of you who are living in London, maybe thinking there's no way to make money or invest here. Um, He definitely does. And this is a kind of... uh, two-sided podcast in that we first talk about his story the usual kind of rent to rent but then we also talk about prop tech um the app he's built which is urban shared the future of pop prop tech where things can be improved uh, and how his app could be useful for you and he's giving away a free sort of beta trial of it if you've got a hmo might be quite useful uh so yeah have a listen and uh as always please leave a review on itunes podcast app or on the facebook page and any feedback whatsoever please please message me facebook dm email me tej at bricksandmore.co that yep that's dot co thank you dan welcome to the Tej talks podcast thank you tej how are you doing i am really well you know i'm, I'm really glad you uh approached me over email and, and kind of you know, spoke about the Tesh Talks podcast and, and kind of suggested like a, a potential kind of appearance on the show because I think a lot of the guests so far have mentioned technology and they've kind of touched on how it's been useful and the different platforms that have helped them. But it's good to have you on because I know you have your own technology platform and philosophy behind it. So, you know, to get, you know, your kind of perspective on technology and property is going to be fantastic. So for everyone listening, we're going to cover that kind of prop tech, future of tech in, in property on the kind of second half. But, you know, for the first half, it'll be really good to, I guess, understand, you know, what was Dan Jackson doing before property? Okay, well, um, I, I spent um, 20 years, give or take, uh, working in financial institutions in London um, in a variety of kind of tech-based roles. Um, so started out kind of developing websites back in the 90s, uh, in the in the late 90s, uh, um, kind of around about the same time that the, act, the internet became something that we were all aware of in the UK. Um, and then spent you know, that 10, 15 years, it's, it, it all seems uh, quite a long time ago, actually, but I spent that time um, working in various finance institutions, doing various kind of large technology implementations. And I guess kind of slowly, because um, I, I started out having my own business and then I kind of got into the, you know, the classic rut. Um, and it was, it was, it was quite easy to be fair to, 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 to work in these big banks and earn good money, um, and, and for it not to be particularly challenging. So I kind of lost some of the fire that I had around wanting to create something. Um, and it was probably about two or three, well, three, three years ago when I decided that, you know, I wanted to, to do something different and I started to look at what was, what was out there. I was I was a kind of an accidental landlord, so I had a couple of properties um, in London, um, and I wanted to try and find something that could could reignite that 
kind of passion that I had back in the, you know, back in the late 90s. Wow. Okay. And so, so you live in London, right? I do. I live, uh, I live in southwest London. Yeah. Okay. And then so, I guess, what, what was the moment or kind of, you know, something that was the stimuli that said, actually, Dan, forget this kind of corporate world, go back to creating, get into property and do something different? It's a great question. And, and you know, I, I, as I say, I, you know, that itch around being creative, being entrepreneurial, it, it had died. You know, I had um, I, I'd, I'd had so much enthusiasm when I was kind of in my early 20s to create something. And I'd, I'd done quite well, created a web design company. And then kids came along and kind of the rut arrived. Um, and so when I was thinking about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to kind of, you know, you know create something that was more fulfilling um i started to look at property i started to look at technology i started to look at kind of things that um uh, i think you know are the the sort of classic what could i do to create something myself kind of you know kind of industries i actually did i actually traded my own account for a couple of for for, for maybe a couple of years um, maybe four, four or five years ago so i'd kind of ruled that one out in terms of an option um and i was looking through various um you know various opportunities and w- one thing that 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 um was was has been playing on my mind for a while in terms of you know in terms of my children is um how are they going to afford to live near me um when they're in their you know um early mid 20s assuming they go to university how are they going to afford to live near me um kind of at that stage in their life well they're going to rent so i started to think about my experience as a renter back in the in the mid 90s and i realized that whilst it wasn't a particularly horrific experience it wasn't very memorable um and i started to look at look at shared houses and i was introduced to this whole concept of hmos which i think personally is a horrible descriptor for a shared house we don't use that terminology in our business at all but i started to look at look at look at what what the shared house market was was doing in london and i realized that there was a a really good opportunity to actually focus on making that um a much better experience and 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 my driver for that was my children you know in in 10 12 years time uh my, my kids will be living you know, in shared houses, hopefully close to us in London at some point in their lives. And I thought, well, how about I start to see whether I can actually make this a better marketplace specifically so that, you know, when they when they come to, to, to live in a shared house, they live in one of urban shared shared houses and they have a great experience. Wow, wonderful. And I think, you know, there's definitely areas of the UK where you look at HMOs or co-living spaces and they are, they're bad. Um, and London's one of those places where the number of young you know, or any age professionals is growing and growing as businesses do that actually, you know, you know, surely there's got to be a market for someone or a group of people to improve the way that these spaces are built and designed. So you kind of took that on and said, yep, I've chosen this area, I've chosen this type of kind of property investment. But you know, there's that old thing that people say, oh, you know, you can't invest in London, uh, you can't make money in London. You know, did that ever kind of yeah. go through your head? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I mean, I've kind of look like summarised, you know, a, a, a probably a two or three month period uh, where the, the 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 initial thinking was let's do something with shared houses in London. Right. Okay. Can't afford it whatsoever. 
So <laughs> let's do something with shared houses in, in, in other parts of the UK. So I spent some time researching the, the market in Coventry, Birmingham, Manchester. I went up to Bridlington, actually, in, in, in Yorkshire. Um, had a look down in Folkestone. Um, and to be, to be frank, I was aware of this sort of concept of rent to rent. And again, I don't like to use that terminology because it just sounds it just doesn't sound welcoming um, but I was aware of the idea of you know being able to long-term lease the property and then kind of release it to your own uh, your own clients but it felt like a it, it felt like a, a business model that I didn't want to get involved with because I think actually it's probably in some instances got a bad reputation so I'd kind of removed it as an option and it was only when I re-looked at you know how I could do this in London and how I could make um, the business model really 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 appealing and attractive and the end product a good one that I decided to focus on rent to rent HMOs in southwest London okay and then what was your first deal in southwest London well it was um it was so in January of 2017, I wrote on a post-it note, um, everything that you do from now on will be about that first deal. I might have summarized it in a different way, but I, I, woke, I woke up every morning with a view of getting that first deal. Um, and our game plan, my game plan was, was very simple. It was just to use agents. You know, I'd, I'd done some research uh, found that there were over a hundred agents that were listing properties on Rightmove within um, two or three miles of of my home in Southwest London. So I, I figured that I would try and contact every single one of them um, in order to try and to try and get a deal. So um, it was probably about the whole, spent the whole of January looking um, to, to to get a deal through an agent and end up ended up um, as you, as often happens. Well. It was like waiting for a bus, you know. I actually landed, got two two deals within about three days of each other. So from from not having a business, um, I then had two um, five bed properties that came online within the same week in February, both of which needed loads of work, both of which we'd negotiated no um, rent free period. We started paying deposit. We well, we paid deposits on both and rent the first day that they arrived and it was a real baptism of fire both of them you know imagine you know these properties in 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 southwest london are, are expensive to rent um so we we um we we learned the hard way that that isn't the way to structure a rent to rent deal but it was it was a an interesting time Absolutely. And so how much do you think you just pick one of those two deals? How much do you think you put into one of those upfront costs? Well, so the, the one in, we have one uh, right by Clapham Common that our first one was right by Clapham Common. Um, and we probably put about 10 grand into it if you include um, it didn't need huge amounts of work, but it needed enough for it to take uh, over a month for us to fill it. So at three and a half grand a month in rent, um, plus we uh, put a fire alarm, uh, interlinked fire alarm system in, um, fire doors and HMO license. And that cost includes furniture. Back in the day, we bought the furniture for that one. We now kind of do a number of different things. But all in, it was 
around about around about ten grand for that first deal. So currently, that one nets between six fifty and seven fifty a month. So I mean, it's a great house in a in a in a good location. Um, but we 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 because we essentially sourced it through um, an agent. Um, you, you do the math. You know, there's twelve percent. There's twelve percent in there. The agent is making. So, so whilst sourcing through agencies is a is a pretty good way of kickstarting a rent-to-rent business. Your margins are going to be tighter, and you know, there's there's no shadow of a doubt that actually, that whilst this business does make money, um, sourcing through agents in London, um, unless you can get you know exceptionally good deals, does mean that your margins are a bit tighter. So, which which means we've had to learn. Um, more about how we can manage our costs and you know part of the driver for the technology is that i think that um finding ways of managing our costs and looking at ways of increasing our revenue per client is the way of of of, of making this business kind of really operate well in london Hmm. And, you know, a common thing that kind of people talk about when they start rent to rent or as they're kind of starting it is that agents always have a list of stupid, stupid objections that make no sense. Like, did you come up against that a lot in kind of your area or did they all kind of get it and say, yeah, yeah, yeah cool, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out? No, no, quite, quite a few didn't. Um, some, some of the bigger ones weren't interested in us because we were just new. But, but I, I mean, what, one of the things that I find... Um, so, you know, I talk to a lot of people about my business and I talk to a lot of people about how we started our business. And I think that um, when you hear about people who have objections around agents, um, they don't understand it, they don't trust, they talk about subletting and all that kind of stuff. I think part of the challenge that a new rent to rent business has is in expressing that they have a passion for more than just making £600 per month per property. Because it does seem to me as though it's been marketed as a strategy by the, the training companies as a way of, of, of making yourself financially free, replace your income with four deals. And, you know, it can do that. But, but if, if, if you approach any business with it just being about making money, then, you, you know, if you have no passion for the thing that you're trying to create or you have no, you know, USP or you're, you're not trying to do anything different, then... Imagine, you know, how an agent's going to feel about you telling them that you've got a great solution for their, you know, for 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 for, for their business, and that you want to rent properties from them on a long-term basis. So I think that if if you don't show any real passion or real excitement about what you're trying to do, then agents are probably just going to be kind of, you know relatively sort of agnostic to your, you know, to your proposition. Plus, I think being able to explain to the agent how you can benefit their business. Um, we have you know, one uh, agent that we source a lot of properties through. And whilst we're still, you know, paying a, a, you know, probably a market rate for these, the, these properties, we can do a deal with him in a day now. And, um, that's hugely beneficial for his business. He can start to talk to his clients about, you know, during their kind of during their kind of listing appointments, would you be interested in working with a company that we work with that would lease your property off you for three years? So he can start having those conversations with, um, you know, his potential clients even before they've done the business. And w w when you think of it as a sort of ecosystem, 
um, it's a, we, we offer a really great product to an agent. It, and, and I think that, I think that, you know, the whole kind of sales piece around sourcing for agents is, is probably you know, a lot of people just come at it with a relatively vanilla kind of linear, you know, uh, approach, which isn't going to work. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the first part you mentioned is, is, yeah, you're right. You know, I think a lot of people don't speak about that passion because, you know, a lot of companies, as you said, will just show it as that strategy to get financially free. And then with that income, you can buy stuff and do other stuff. So it's kind of seen as a, a stepping stone of sorts. But actually, you know, like in your approach and a few others I've seen, there is a real passion for, you know, making a really gorgeous co-living space that we would want to live in ourselves but that can get lost in translation in terms of what this strategy is and I think for people doing it as a stepping stone you know fine if if that's your kind of choice but if it can be done passionately and solve real problems for people and then you know help agents with their business which is what they really care about then you're always going to get ahead of those who just are like cool need four of these then I'm on to the next thing and then I'm done right so you know great points you've raised there so now what does your rent rent portfolio look like like now so we're talking what we're in february 2019 so we have uh, so we have a collection of properties that that we have on rent to rent we have a couple that we manage um which which we can discuss in a little more detail because i'm quite interested in, in using the tech to offer that as a as a as a, as a product and then a couple that that I own. So we've got, I think, 15, 16, some, something like that. Um, I should know the right number, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> but it's a, I think, yeah, we're sort of 16 properties um, to date. Um, and two, yeah, so two, two we manage, two of mine, leaving 12 that we went, that we, that we lease on a long term basis. Okay. So if we just look at the 12 that you lease on a long term basis, how much, you know, altogether do they bring in a month net profit in your pocket? That's a good question. I mean, the total portfolio is probably doing um, round about eight and a half at the moment, um, which I think if some people will quickly divide 16 by eight and a half and realize that, that, that that's just about just over 500 quid each. Um we have an interesting portfolio, though. We have we have properties from one bed flats all the way up to six bed houses. Um, you know, the, the the portfolio that we have right now is is not a reflection of the structure that it will be as we move forward. So we've we've been we've learned lots and we've tested lots. Um, we, we've also taken on a portfolio from a landlord that included some things that probably we wouldn't have taken if they were standalone deals, but as a portfolio portfolio they made sense um so yeah so so those margins are, they are they are pretty tight on some you mentioned a, a one bed is that on a management thing or is that a rent to rent no it's a so it's a rent to rent so it's we've got a one bed in fulham um that um is part of a block of three flats so there's a top floor a ground floor and a basement and the basement flat is a one-bed flat that we have essentially created. Um, we've, we've turned the, the living room into a second bedroom. Both of them are significant sizes, sofas in each room. Um, so we converted a one-bed flat into a, into a two-bed flat. Um, and we also know the owner of the flat above, and we do some work for him. So it's kind of like a, 
it, it, it was a little bit of a loss leader in terms of in terms of a, a standalone proposition, but um, it's it certainly made me realise that whilst a, 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 interestingly enough, a kind of a two-bed shared house kind of works. It's it's definitely not something that we'd be moving forward with. You know, we wouldn't be aggressively looking to find more one bed to two beds. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, your portfolio is not reflective of what it will be in terms of the structure. Um, and that's because, you know, you said you, you've trialed and errored and kind of experimented. I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of people of us are concerned about, oh, you know, my portfolio should be this number by this time. It should say this about me. It should... But actually, you know, there's also a case of you can tell someone how many houses you got, but they don't know what on earth has happened to get them or the experiments or things that have gone wrong within it. So I guess advice for people is don't worry too much about saying what your portfolio is, but actually what does it consist of? Feel free to experiment, you know, feel free to try different things, which could work, could lose you a bit of money, but obviously, you know, de-risk as much as you can. But I just kind of, I like the way you put that. Um, now, if we talk about your kind of future in property, what what does that kind of look like well that's another good question i mean i see urban shared as a co-living business and that isn't a property company that's a services i see us as a, i see us as a, i see urban shared as a essentially as a, a service company our our job is to create um exceptional living environments together with other services for young professionals in london um having a, a room is obviously an important part of that product, but it's not the most important part. Um, in terms of your question around, you know, next steps, um, it's a good question. I've been talking to also. You know, I'm, I'm very focused on the growth of the technology side of the business, um, and we're looking at, at what we can do to kind of accelerate the growth of that, um, and whether that's something that we just use internally to facilitate urban shared's portfolio and its customers or whether we look to offer that to other um multi-let property owners um whether we look at continuing to grow using you know the rent to rent model which at the moment is, has, has 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 done really well for us um or whether we look to partner with local developers now, obviously having been in the game for a couple of years, we're talking to people about what we're doing and, and, and we're talking to some developers and looking at development as a potential opportunity ourselves. But my heart is in technology. Um, so, you know, for, for me to grow a property company um, is not kind of being completely true to my core. Um, I will, you know, that's not to say that, that that I wouldn't continue to grow it, but it would probably be in partnership with somebody that had that passion. Um, I'm a, te as I say, I'm, you know, technology and solving problems, making things easier and simple using using tech is is my uh, is my real passion. Um, but I could certainly see the, you know, I can certainly now see the the, the real benefits in terms of growth of a portfolio of rent to rent. So, you know, if, if deals come our way and they make sense um, and they're in the right areas, we'll continue to do those deals. Um, you know, this conversation could change in a couple of weeks, depending on the sort of opportunities that come your way, you know? <laughs> 
Absolutely. And then quick question, with all the rent events you've done so far, obviously they've got upfront costs in them. Have you put your own kind of savings and cash into it or has it been investors? So this, apart from a single investor, it's been completely self-funded. Okay. And, you know, from your opinion, in your opinion, if if you have the money to self-fund it, do you think people should or do you think they should still go for investors for the benefits that do come with it? Um, I think that's a good question. I think you need to have some skin in any game. You know, I think that that demonstrates credibility. Um I also think that, you know, if, if you're kind of vested yourself, then your your attitude changes. It's, it's you know, it's, it's if it's your money, I think you probably, you, you, you probably treat it slightly differently. Um, I think rent to rent, um, certainly in London, you know, the, the, the margins um, almost, in some of the deals that we've done would preclude another investor. There's no, some of them you wouldn't, it wouldn't make some sense, but I I absolutely see no reason why, um, you know, if, if, if someone was looking to start this business, I see no reason why they wouldn't find a partner with funds, um, and, and do it that way. Um, that, that could, that could make, you know, that could make good sense. Okay. And you know, you're a tech man at heart. So let's talk about your tech. So, Tell everyone what Urban Shed is, um, and I guess you know what what problem are you solving as well? It's a good question. Um, the well, so Urban Shed is 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 the co living brand, um, and and that includes the portfolio of of, of properties. Um, but we've developed as part of that a mobile app, um, essentially a kind of a mobile platform that is focused on. The customer experience. So, if you look at if you look at um, software that um, exists in prop tech, so property technology, um, there is a, a a focus on things that help the investor, on things that help the landlord, um, on things that help the developer. Um, but there's there's not really anything that actually focuses on the tenant, um, and that's that was the kind of the starting point for for our platform i was thinking wouldn't it be cool if actually we had a piece of software that was just focused on making the tenant's life better because at the end of the day we don't have a business if we can't fill houses with people um and tenants tend to go from uh, we've all done it you know during the during the sort of the, the, the kind of onboarding process or the tenant find process if a tenant phones us if a potential tenant phones us up at 8:30 we put everything down and we say, hi, Jack, how are you? Oh, right, okay, love, yeah, I'd love you to move in. You, you know, you're absolutely perfect for that house. And when they move in, if Jack phones us again, we put him on silent or we turn the phone off because he's probably reporting a problem and he becomes a cost centre. So that's the mentality that, that I think landlords have. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kind of making, casting any dispersions or making any, you know, observations that are kind of belittling or anything. But as essentially as a landlord, when a tenant, uh, when a potential tenant becomes a tenant, he goes from profit center to cost center. And, and I want, I want to kind of embrace the concept of actually giving a tenant good customer service and giving them a good experience. And, and that for me starts with, 
having great communication with them. Um, it starts with um, a lot of people are very focused on the design of, of, of the, the interior of their kind of shared houses. I think that's also, you know, super important, but I don't really think that's customer service. I think that's more about making the houses kind of the wow factor so people want to move into them. For me, it's when they move in, how are we going to make their lives better? How are we going to improve the experience that they have so that they stay with us for longer, potentially even spend more money with us? Um, so, so the app was really just about what things can we do to improve the customer experience, um, look at reducing some of the costs that, that a larger operator might have, and how can we even potentially look at ways of increasing the revenue that each customer might be able to pay us. So with that in mind, we looked at the things that we were doing with our customers, and we built the app around four I think there's four or five functions within the app that we believe improve the customer experience, potentially increase the lifetime value of that customer, reduce the churn and reduce cost and increase the potential margin that we can make for those from those customers. So that was that that was really kind of the focus that that, that has uh, version one of the app has essentially been released with those things in mind. Mm, okay, so if I'm if I'm a tenant and I I want to live in Southwest London or London and I I'm looking for a kind of a co-living space, how? So normally I guess I'd go on spare room, I'd maybe go to an estate agent or something like that. How does a tenant find you? Well, so so right now our app is exclusively for urban shared housemates. So we are looking at ways in which we can kind of essentially introduce non-members. We don't have members, by the way, but non-tenants into the kind of onto the platform before they become a tenant. So the 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 app is designed the the the, the, the day you become a housemate, at urban shared, you get the app. Now the first thing that you do when you log into the app is you'll see that we put all the um, house we call them the kind of the house how-to videos are within the app. So it's how do you turn the heating on? How do you bleed a radiator? How do, what, what bin color goes out on a Monday for, for recycling? What's the local council? How do you get a parking permit? All the things that, that actually the noise when tenants move in, we get via email or via text message or via phone. So we put all that data into the app, kind of like a series of, 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 of how-to explainer videos that go into the app. We also put into the app um, all the documentation that customers, that, that housemates need to see, that we need to provide them in order to um, ensure we're compliant. So the EPC goes in there, the gas safety certificate, um, how to rent, um, things like Wi-Fi codes, everything that we need um, to provide the tenants with all this is, 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 is delivered via their, um, their app. Um, copy of their AST, so they can see all the see all the paperwork that they need. Um, they can also communicate directly with us through the app. Um, so rather than just WhatsApp groups, which we which we still use, but we're phasing out, all our messaging now comes directly through the app. So we can contextualise it, so we can kind of understand which house it comes from. Um, we can understand um, a little bit more about the type of communications that we have right now. 
that's probably not very exciting, but at some point that might become quite useful. Um, and they can communicate with each other via the app too, which which is you know which which is kind of why would you replicate? I guess some people might say why are you replicating WhatsApp? Well, it's 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 everything house related in one in one place, which I think has got some value. Absolutely, I think you know it sounds like a, a combination of you know when you go to an Airbnb and you get the kind of old school binder with kind of all the documents, all the information in, but also kind of sounds like what a good letting agent should do, but then both combined and made digital, which is you know where everything is going nowadays. That that sounds fantastic. I mean, you know, this is a tool that I think a lot of if not direct landlords and a lot of letting agents could benefit from um, to make their lives easier. And I mean, so the tenants you've used it with, how have they sort of received it? Have they been like, this is amazing. Why doesn't everyone else have it? Or Well, uh, the, the, the response has been good. Um, what we what we haven't done so far is we're not really singing from the rooftops about this technology. We're, we're kind of... Um, because we're growing a portfolio as well as developing the the, the web the, the the mobile platform, there, there hasn't been a complete focus on either. So we kind of, as as every bootstrap business, it you know that ever existed, will experience. It's it's it, we're kind of just kind of feeling our way as we go along. I mean, we have had some great feedback from from various people that we've trialed it with, that we've showed it to, and you know, there's a, there are some more features within it which I think are even more more exciting. Um, it, it it it's now used to report all the maintenance problems that, that that we have within the portfolio. So rather than any text, email, phone, or whatever it might be, uh, or even something like Fixflow. We just get them to describe the problem and send us a picture or a video, and that's then put into our maintenance queue, which at some point is going to be distributed to our maintenance team without us having to um, worry about it. So we're removing the need to have a third-party maintenance function, um, um, sorry, software. Um, They can also see every property that exists within the urban shared portfolio and inquire about moving to that house. Because we want people to be able to move between our properties very fluidly. If, for example, they are in a single room and they want to, and they want to move in with their boyfriend or girlfriend, then they can select a, a, a double room that we might have available in another, in another property. And they can do that through the app. But they, they can also order additional products and services. So, for example, room cleans and ironing are the two that we're we're focusing on right now but they can order those through the app and they'll soon be able to pay we'll soon be able to take payments through the app for those products and services which again when you, on a on a kind of low level basis um 10 quid for a room clean where we're making 25 percent is 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 peanuts if we can only do it with you know 10 housemates but if we could scale that because of the technology that could drive that then that could be a significant uplift of the revenue that we could make from each customer which is which is where i think it's quite exciting for you know uh, multi-let owners absolutely i think you know there's i'm mean, you know, just thinking of all the integrations you could do with local businesses or kind of things around the area and how it could even also work with with serviced accommodation in some senses it, it really it really sounds like you know kind of an all-in-one solution for for tenants and for for kind of landlords to manage both ends of the process which 
you know, it's kind of needed because I think the property sector is, yeah, whilst PropTech is, is kind of up and coming, it's it's not at the same pace as fintech or um, health tech or, or any other area of technology, which is kind of weird because, it, you know, we all need a house. We generally all live in some sort of property and it's kind of weird that it's taking so long to get up to pace. I mean, why do you think that property is moving so slowly in technology? I don't know. I mean, I think there might be there might be some resistance based on kind of you know historic margins. I worked in banking for a long period of time, and you know, whilst Sainsbury's and some of the supermarket chains were, were, were implementing technology that enabled them to know how many Mars bars there were in the in the Merton branch, um, we were doing multi-million pound deals on spreadsheets because the margins were so large. We weren't forced to focus on what we could do to manage cost or to, you know, eke out an extra sort of digit of profit. And I think maybe historically property has, has may, have, may, may have kind of experienced a similar sort of lackadaisical attitude. Um, I also think that actually tenants in general, residential tenants in general, no one actually really cares. Um, you know, I think if you look, apart from if you look at some of the, you know, some of the sort of larger co-living operators who are actually saying, look, guys, this is you know, co-living is now an asset class, which which, you know, if you're if you're sort of investing in anything is is quite a significant move forward. And we're talking about co-living being, a, you know, actually if an asset class that people will start to track in terms of whether it is a investable or all those sorts of things. And that's 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 new. So I think investing in um technology i mean there's 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 always been a fair amount of investment in the sort of commercial side but i think residential property and the you know the 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 players within that there just generally seems to be a kind of an attitude of of i don't know it's i can't really be bothered with them i think just to a certain degree Mm, i guess that kind of attitude you know, as as it is with banking, you look at Monzo, Starling, Tide, etc. There's a reason that they're they're doing so well because classic banks are a crap for for so many things. And I and you know you've I guess you and and others too are kind of seeing this gap in the in the prop tech market and and doing something about it because you know there's a lot of investors that you know you and I both know and speak to and you know we all know that there's so much that could be done i think you know the conveyancing process itself is is so irritating so long-winded and it's like when when is this going to change i think you know more of us should get together and actually not say when say we are going to change it um so yeah maybe it's a kind of call to arms hearing your your story of your technology maybe yeah no and i totally agree with you i think that you know we are as consumers we're, we're becoming kind of well, one frustrated with things that that have kind of friction. You know, if you, I don't listen or, or follow many kind of you know gurus, but Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his surname. To be fair, talks about you know how important voice is going to become in the future um, because it removes the friction that a mobile phone has introduced. And whilst I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, really, I mean, the mobile phone is 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 has absolutely changed the face of you know, a number of consumer industries and, and how, how can that be fric- How can that provide friction? And he said, you know, because you have to type a number into it or you have to type a word into it. And imagine if you just told it that you wanted to do things that's reducing friction. 
And and when we think about consumers in today's society, we are very impatient for a start. We're, we're not as loyal as we used to be because we can switch between brands without having you know without having much problem to do that. And I think there is a there is a continued shift towards delivering really frictionless products and services. And and so running your house or running your shared room, you know, on your phone that, that, that gives you all the data that you need to be able to do that in a really frictionless way, I think is, is, it's, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when, you know, and I think that that's what, that's, that's the kind of, that's the, 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 the driver for us to really create some great technology that gives this new asset class a platform. Mm. And, you know, what what do you think is the biggest challenge that Urban Shared will face as a, as a technology platform in the next year? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Well, I, I think probably um, what our, one of our biggest challenges is kind of, uh, I don't know what the, the technical term would be, but kind of ensuring that our app is kind of sticky and that it becomes it becomes something that is is used on a frequent basis we you know there's there's, i'm not i'm not naive enough to suspect that people will download this and then they'll be you know this is the most amazing thing i've got on my phone um, because it's not a game it's not something that that is 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 necessarily going to provide you with satisfaction it's a business it's a tool to help you live um and most tenants might use it when they have a problem to report or when they have, um, you know, when they need to get the Wi-Fi code. So how do we um, how do we get people to engage with the technology is going to be a bit of a challenge. And we've started to look at things that we can do to make that um, possible. Um, but I think that that's probably, you know, going to be one of one of our challenges. I don't think I don't think getting people to use it is going to be a challenge because we can simply say, um guys this is how we this is how we interact with our maintenance function so we can definitely get people using the product um internally um but how do we actually you know make it so that it's a really important part of their experience we want people to to say to themselves we don't want to leave urban shared because we can't live without them you know we want to stay within the urban shared um ecosystem because it's such a cool place and because the technology is, you know, is, is making my life really easy. So I think that's going to be our challenge. That's, that's really interesting. You said that actually, it, it takes me back to when me and a, a couple of friends were pitching investors for an app idea and we were like, Oh, it's a great app. They're going to use it. And then they may not come back to it. <laughs> we were kind of like thinking the same thing as you is like, how do you increase that lifetime value? Do you gamify it? Do you, kind of like you know what are the many different things with tech that you can do to get someone to keep coming back and you know some apps i guess don't need people to keep coming back and they're they're problem apps you know like they'll go to it when there's a problem or they'll go to it when something's great they'll never kind of visit in the middle of that and that's yeah i guess that's one of the complexities of having a a technology business with the, the generation of people we're dealing with so when it comes to like the technology how hands on are you with you know, the app and building it and, you know, strategizing. Have you got a team? Is it you? You've got a co-founder? Yeah, well, so we have a co-founder on the tech side. Um, and uh, he's he's been absolutely fantastic. He's, you know, he's not, um, he's, a sl- sl- he's, he's my age. 
uh, so we're kind of both in our sort of 40s, which which means, um, I mean, I've worked with throughout my banking um, career, worked with lots of young development teams who needed, you know, really, really um, kind of explicit specifications to build anything. But 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 uh, myself and, our, and and the co-founder of, of, of the technology side have been able to evolve this through conversation, which has actually been makes things makes things happen a lot quicker. Um, and I think that gives us a little bit of a, you know, right now it gives us a little bit of, a, of an advantage because we can we can try, model and trial things really quickly. Um, but apart from apart from the two of us on the tech side, um, that's it really. Um, yeah, we don't. I, I, you know, you could run. We could run urban shared up to you know um, you know triple digits in terms of properties as we as it currently stands with a tech platform with less than ten people. Mm. Okay. And, you know, I think people listening to this are going to, you know, find your your platform quite interesting and your app really interesting. Uh, you might have touched on it briefly before, but, you know, are there plans to kind of uh, let others, you know, if I was a HMO landlord and I came to you and said, Dan, I like the platform, you know, can I trial it for my own houses? Can I can I use it? Is that, is that something you're potentially going to have this year? No, well, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we have done a few times, and we've got a, a couple of HMO operators that have trialed it, um, so that we're getting some feedback on, you know, things that they're that, that they're observing. Um, so, if anybody is interested in kind of being part of a closed beta, for want of a better phrase, um, where they can um, either roll it out to a couple of houses or kind of just see what we're doing then more than happy to have a conversation with them i mean if anybody if anybody did then you know perceive it to be so useful that they wanted to keep it uh, and, and and move forward with it we would honor we would honor them as a as a, a free customer i'm not trying to make any money from uh from the technology from from other landlords right now it's about making our product better um but if anybody's interested yeah, yeah they can they can contact us and we can have a conversation amazing so anyone listening who's interested give dan a shout you know you're not going to lose anything by trying it out when i have some hmos I'll, I'll definitely come to you and and see if it works and you know what you mentioned there about the kind of beta phase is is again an important learning in in business right is you you need to test things you need to you know have a an mvp a minimal viable product get things out there you know start now get perfect later get it tested um and you know again that applies to property applies to any business i mean it applies to your mindset to some extent so um again there's kind of a, a little tip to take from there um so dan we've reached the end of the Tej talks podcast episode um thanks for coming on for this prop tech special um you know if if people do want to get hold of you what's the best way to to get in touch um they can well through the app no no um you can just 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 email me um dan at urbanshared.com Go to the website. We can you can contact us directly directly from the website. But happy to hear happy to talk to anybody that's interested in what we're doing in Southwest London from a from a kind of shared house perspective or, or technology. Or if you even need a place to stay in Southwest London, we've got a few we've got a few rooms I think at the moment that we could uh, that we that we, that we could fill. Amazing, Dan. Thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks, Ted. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.